Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We have a wonderful session today. We're talking about redemption, and we're using the main text in Psalm uh, 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Isn't it wonderful to know that when we come to Christ, we enter into our redemption that is in Christ Jesus, that uh, God loads us with benefits. And of course, these benefits are loaded upon us daily. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about some of them today. So Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today that we uh, have a God that loves us. Uh, we have a God that cares for us. Uh, he's our Heavenly Father. Amen. And He has welcomed us into His family with open arms. I thank You for the blood of Jesus. I thank You, Father God, for the cleansing power of the blood and the power in the blood to cause us, amen, to be new people inside, to be born again. So, Lord, uh, we thank You for the blessing that's upon Your Word today and Your blessing that's upon this session, and we give You praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to be talking about redeeming our life from destruction, how God redeems our life from destruction. And we're going to take some examples from the Bible. Amen. And I just want you to know that uh, uh, Satan can't do everything he wants to do because Jesus is standing in the way. He's the one that ever lives to make intercession for us. Praise God. And I don't believe that any prayer that Jesus is praying has ever failed. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So he's praying for you. He's praying for me. And we will make it. Praise God. Amen. Well, we're going to start off. First of all, uh, there's nothing in our life that our redemption in Christ Jesus has not touched. And when I say touch, I'm talking about touch with his mercy and with his grace. Praise God. And the second thing I want us to know is that all of our sin, all of our sickness and disease, all of our poverty and spiritual death, they were all atoned for on Calvary's tree. Praise God. Jesus bore them for us. And of course, we have Paul's writings that, that tell us, and of course, you know, writings of the other apostles too. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 15. Uh, notice what Paul writes to the church at Colossae. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now think about that for just a moment. You are complete in him. What does that mean? That means that there's nothing concerning redemption that still needs to be done in your heart and in your life. It's all been done. It's just a matter of you and I entering into our inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Amen. If in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and Christ is in us, guess who dwells on the inside of us? The entire Godhead, praise God. I just preached myself happy. I'm telling you that there is more in you and there is more in me than we realize. Praise God. All right, let's finish this out. Verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. See, we're not... <clears throat> 
circumcise in the flesh as a means of getting born again and entering into the kingdom of God. Our circumcision has been made without hands. In other words, God did a work on the inside of us and uh, caused us uh, to become part of the family of God. And then Paul goes out and he says this. Uh, he finishes up this uh, passage and he says this, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Faith always comes before regeneration. Always. Amen. God puts the faith in us. Amen. <laughs> Woo! To give us the strength to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh hath he quickened or made alive together with him, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Folks, there are things that you have done in the past, amen, that cause shame, things that, that uh, Satan just beats you over the head or your own uh, self-consciousness beats you over the head. Let me tell you something, through faith in Christ, he has forgiven you all trespasses. All that's behind you. It's all gone. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. What you have to look forward to is your present and your future. Praise God. Amen. And just understand this in the love of God. Before you and I ever decided what we were going to do with Jesus, he, before the foundation of the world was ever laid, had already made a decision what he was going to do with you. And that's why you're born again today. That's the work of God, the work of the operation of God. Praise God. Now, the fruit of forgiveness, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's why I say all of our sins, sickness, disease, poverty, and even spiritual death, they were all nailed to the cross where Jesus paid the penalty for all of it. He took God's wrath for us. We couldn't take it. He took it. Praise God. He was the just giving his life for the unjust. That was you and me. But we're not unjust now. Now that we have received Christ the Savior and we're born again, we've surrendered to him, praise God. We're part of the family of God. Now we're heirs with Christ, joint heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And he has raised us up, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, I tell you, we just need to get hold of this. The revelation of it needs to hit us. Amen. What God has done on the inside of us. Like the scripture says, what hath God wrought? Well, it's good. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So Jesus, now we're going over to Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Jesus took upon himself our infirmities. He took our infirmities in order to carry them. That's what this word took means. He took our infirmities in order to carry them away from us. Amen. If you had a load you can't bear and you can't make it. Amen. Somebody comes along that's mightier than you, stronger than you, younger than you. He takes that load and he carries it for you. That's what Jesus did. Amen. He took our sins, sickness, disease, poverty and death. He took it upon himself to all of our infirmities and he carried them away 
from us, amen, on the cross, and they all died there. Oh, I tell you, that's a revelation I wish we could get hold of. All of that, all of our sins, sickness, disease, poverty, and death, it all died there. It all died there, every bit of it. He bare it for us so that we wouldn't have to. And in the same manner, he bare our sins. He, bare, he took our sicknesses and he bare our sins, praise God. Paul said this in Romans chapter 3, being justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or a substitute, someone taking our place through faith in his blood. You see, this is how we're justified, through faith in his blood. What does that mean, through faith in his blood? What Jesus did on Calvary. Amen. His blood was given for the remission of sins, not covering of sin like in the Old Testament. The remission, the taking away, the bearing away of our sin through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness. <clears throat> Notice this. For the remission of sins that are past. Your past has been wiped out. <laughs> Amen. The very moment you and I got born again, our past did not exist. Only in our memories did it exist. All that was gone. Washed away in the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. And now he has made provision for the present and for the future. Amen. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just because of what he did on Calvary to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm telling you, we have a covenant with Almighty God through the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary. Praise God. That is never going to be annulled. See, at the time that Jesus was suffering on the cross, at the time he was taking our sin upon himself, at the time he was putting them away, at that same time, he was dealing with our sin. He was also dealing with our sickness, our disease, our weakness, our poverty, the things that sin had ravaged our life. I don't know where you come from. You may come, may be coming from the very dregs of society. You may be the lowest of the low. I'm telling you, Jesus will take you from the lowest of the low and raise you up to the highest of the high. How much higher can you get at the, than the right hand of the throne of God? That's what God has in store for you. Amen. And if you're born again, that's where you are positionally in the Father's love and in the Father's care. He took all of this for us. He bore them away. Amen. And now through the new birth, we've been made the righteousness of God. And now all the benefits of redemption becomes ours. And it's all dependent upon the faith in the blood of Jesus. Praise God. So it's true. He has redeemed our life from destruction. And I like the way the Old Testament says it. He redeems our life. He continually redeems our life from destruction. Praise God. And of course, that word redeem, it means redeemed from life, redeemed from death to life. So when we talk about the Lord redeeming our life from destruction, we're talking about him preserving us 
unto his heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. And I know believers die and go home early, and there's reasons for that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a covenant that cannot be annulled, that cannot be broken from God's point of view. Amen. God secured this covenant. And whether, you know, Christians die and go home early, that's not the issue. The issue is the very moment that we're born again, we are heaven bound. And there's not a thing in the world the devil can do about it. Nothing. Praise God. He doesn't have the power. Amen. To overcome. And we're going to see this at the very end of this teaching today. You know, the psalmist says this in Psalm 121, 7 and 8. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. Now, when we say all evil, we're talking about destruction. You know as well as I do that we're tempted, we're tried. Satan tries to get us to move off the word of God. He tries to uh, get us to uh, surrender our faith. Amen. But Satan has limits. He can't do everything he wants to do. Remember the story of Job. God allowed Satan to touch Job's body. He allowed Satan to touch everything that pertained, everything that Job loved. Uh, God allowed him to touch that. But Job never gave in. He never gave up his faith. He never turned on God. And in the end, he was rewarded double, double. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So he does preserve. Now, when we're in the midst of fiery trials, it seems like, man, what's going on? Lord, where are you at? And he allows us to go through things. But I'm telling you, there is always a way of escape. There is always. That's how he preserves us. There is always an end. There's always an end to testing. There's always an end to trial. God will always give us a way of escape. So every person born in this world is born with a destructive nature. The nature of sin, born with the destructive nature of sin. And when Adam sinned in the garden, that nature was passed down to each and up, each of us, every generation to generation up to the very present. And that included you and me when we were born into this world. And there's nothing you and I can do about it. We were born slaves to sin. We take a little baby, think that baby is so sweet. I was talking to somebody the other day and he was talking about two little children and remarked about how beautiful they are. And and uh, the mama said, well, they have just learned how to argue. Well, where did that come from? Did mama teach them how to argue? No, it's part of their nature. Part of their nature. See, we were born slaves to sin. But thank God, but God, who is rich in mercy. Ephesians chapter two, verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he has quickened us and made us alive and he has raised us up, made us to sit together in heavenly places that in the ages to come, he might show unto us the riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's the father in his family. That's our heavenly father that loves us. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. So our only redemption from the nature of sin is by sacrifice. God himself was the only worthy person who could provide the ex acceptable sacrifice that would pay for sin and do away with the nature of sin. This sacrifice 
that God provided was Jesus Christ nailed to the cross. He was made sin. He didn't become sin. There's a big difference between being made something and becoming something. I might put on a police uniform. Somebody might make me a policeman. That doesn't make me a policeman. I may I may look like it, but I'm not. To be made sin for us. See, he fulfilled the type in the shadow of the Old Testament. The sins of this world, this nation was placed upon Jesus. He bore them. May be made sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Well, how does this become a reality? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10. What does the scripture say? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved for with the heart. Now, this is important. I want you to see. I want you to hear this, especially those of you who have young children. Understand what I'm getting ready to say to you. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Notice the two-step process in getting born again. The first step is that we have to believe in our heart, not our mind, with our heart. And there's only one way we can do that is that the gospel must be preached to us. So parents, preach to your children the gospel. Do it in the love of God. Do it through grace and mercy, but teach them and show them how they are and the, how they can be saved. It's through the gospel of the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that your, your children, the only way you and I could be born again is that we must believe the gospel. But that's not all. There's a lot of children raised up in Christian homes, go to church their entire life, that believe what they have been taught, but they don't do the second step. And this is the reason why so many Young children that grow up in church, that part of a Christian home, they get off to themselves and then that then they lose that which they were taught and what they believe. What's the second step? We must confess him with our mouth. In other words, we need to speak what God says over us. Confess him with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And he is our savior. So it's us that must do the believing and it is us that must do the confessing before Jesus grants eternal life. So let me ask you a question. Are you speaking the word of God over your life and over the life of your children? See, this action is just not a one time action. See, this is where we have erred. We speak continually the word of God over us. As a matter of fact, all of us, when we get up in the morning, the first thing we need to say is, Father, I believe in my heart that Jesus is raised from the dead. I'm a child of God. I confess him with my mouth. I confess him with my actions. I confess him with my words. I confess the word of God over my life today. And what does the word say? Well, his own self bear our sin in his body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live on the righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. 
He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. See, we don't miss it with the believing part. We certainly do miss it with the confessing part. Amen. And that needs to change. We need to openly and constantly and regularly, we need to be speaking the word of God out of our mouth. Do we want a powerful prayer life? Is our prayer life lacking? When we, when we begin to pray the word of God, when we get the word of God in our heart to where we can pray the word of God out of our mouth, that creates a powerful, powerful prayer life because the power of God is in his word. That's where the word becomes alive and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Ye are of God, little children. Well, let me read this verse of scripture here. First John chapter three, verses 20 and 21. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. He knows where we are. He knows exactly where we are. Why is our heart condemning us? Because we know that there's things our heart, our spirit in us with the Holy Spirit is telling us we're not where we need to be. And most of us, 100 percent of us that recognize I'm not where I should be in the things of God. It goes ties directly back to the fact that we're not praying the word of God. And we're not confessing the word of God because we do believe it, don't we? Now, John says this, if our heart condemn us not, we know by the Holy Spirit we're confident toward God. There's a confidence towards God. Amen. When we know we're walking in good, full fellowship with him. And then John said this in the fourth chapter. <clears throat> Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world. Let me ask you a question. When you're in conversation, what are you talking about? Amen. We should be talking to somebody about the word of God, dividing the word of God, building one up, building ourselves up uh, with one another. Praise God. And the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God hears us. Why? Because we're speaking of Christ. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Praise God. So this is what we're talking about today. There is a weapon in our mouth. And that weapon is the word of God. Now, God redeems us from destruction. He's already told us that. The psalmist has already told us that the scripture is filled with examples of God redeeming his people from destruction. Now, David, he was the author of uh, Psalm 103. And God knew. I mean, David knew that he redeems my life from destruction. He redeemed. Uh, he David was redeemed from Saul. He certainly was redeemed from Goliath. By all rights, David should have been eaten. Goliath should have pounded him into the dirt. There should not have been but one little grease spot left in the dirt that day. You see, but God was with David and God was against Goliath. That kind of reminds us of our battle against the devil. The devil comes in like some big, big, bad person. 
But what is what has God equipped us with? Authority in the name of Jesus. The devil can't deal with that. Amen. Yeah. God delivered David from Goliath. He delivered David from Saul. And he'll deliver you and me. Now, once again, I quoted this verse. We'll read it again. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape. Notice that. That's your way out. God gives you a way out of every testing and trial. He gives you a way out that you might be able to bear it. See, that is the way of escape. That's God's way of redeeming us from destruction. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, in other words, when you become born again, you will strengthen your brethren. That time hadn't come yet. But now that time did come in the upper room uh, the night uh, that uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. Praise God. See. God redeemed Peter from destruction through the prayers of Jesus. And Jesus is ever living to make intercession for us who have been saved to the uttermost. Look at Revelation 12, 1 through 5. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and under her head a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth <clears throat> and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. We're talking about a powerful spirit being. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child. Talking about Jesus, the baby Jesus, as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was rule, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now notice this. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. See. Satan wanted to devour Jesus. He couldn't do it. Why? Because Jesus was redeemed from destruction. Second Timothy four fourteen through 18. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works of whom be thou also aware, for he hath greatly withstood our words at the first answer. No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And that by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. Now, listen to this. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Amen. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and shall prevail, preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Satan wanted to kill Paul. Couldn't do it. God delivered him. Why? Because his life was redeemed and is and had been redeemed from destruction. Now, what the Lord did for these, he'll do for us. Notice what Paul says, and we'll end right here. I'll read three passages real quick. 
For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we have the sentence of death on ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God that raises the dead, who, past tense, delivered us from so great a death, and present tense, who does deliver us, and future tense, future tense, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. See, that's the redeeming work of Christ working in our heart and life. First John five eighteen. for we know that no one who is born of God continues in sin, but he who is begotten of God keeps himself and that wicked one toucheth him not. Christ will make sure that Satan cannot get hold of you and destroy you. But you got to trust them. Now, James 127 says we got to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Amen. See, that's our part. God's part is to redeem us. So through our re redemption in Christ Jesus, we have been and continue to be redeemed from destruction. But we've got to walk by faith. We've got to live by faith. We've got to walk by faith. Amen. We got to stay out. Stay out of sin. We got to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Amen. Let's not give Satan an advantage over us. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you for this uh, lesson today, this session today. We give you praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life.